Good morning. First of all, I would like to thank uh, to every one of you uh, that you are, because many of you faithfulness that I'm here. And I'm going to share uh, my journey here that I experienced God's faithfulness. And last year, uh, I started to sense that the Lord is calling me to study in Asbury. And my first thought, that's, that's impossible. Number one, I'm no longer young, I'm getting old. <laughs> Number two, uh, I'm supposed to live with my mom. That's what I felt that was my calling at that time and because uh, she's a widow. And number three, I, that's the lowest point of my financial status in my adult life. So that's uh, not possible. But then I thought, well, how do I know this is not, how do I know whether this is uh, God's calling? Maybe I should take the first step and see how far it goes. If it turned out impossible, that's fine. And then so I applied and then I was admitted. Then uh, I thought, well, the solution maybe is to explore uh, learning online. So uh, Tai was very kind and then uh, talked to me, explained to me. It's an in-person program. And uh, he, uh, at the end of the conversation, he encouraged me to see, oh, go and uh, learn more about Asbury uh, through the webpage about student life. So I'll call, I say, I will try. And so I look at the page, then uh, the word fitness just caught my eye. <laughs> and uh, why? Because uh, one of the concerns uh, as I was thinking about Asbury uh, is about how am I going to continue my fitness training uh, when I go to Asbury? Seminar training and fitness training, mm, they don't seem to fit very well uh, in my previous thinking. But then I, then I looked, and then it's not only a fitness center, and there's a, a personal fitness training. Ooh. And then I thought, well, okay, I'm coming to Asbury. Uh, <laughs> not just because I can continue to have my fitness training, it also shows me that Asbury takes a, a holistic approach for theological education. And so then, okay, then I started to pray. Uh, Lord, uh, show me how can I work with you and to see I will land in your calling. And then to, um, so I started to communicate to people that I'm coming to Asbury. And surprisingly, no, no one laughed at me. And they said, oh, wow. Uh, um, and they encouraged me. And then uh, a few people that have supported me through the years continue to support me. And then uh, the church that supported me also continue to support me. And then there's a lot of people that I don't even meet and know give me scholarship, including the Asbury Scholarship. And then here I am, I'm in this uh, uh, faithful community and to go through a, a, a journey that will experience God's faithfulness. And then accompanying with my uh, journey to coming here, there's a quote keep coming to my mind that's uh, attempting something so big that unless God in intervenes, it's bound to fail. And then the Lord is saying to me, you think the financial thing to come to Asbury is a big thing? I'll tell you, you are going to experience something big. And I think that's a story for each one of us who are sitting here, hallelujah.
Uh, good morning. I'm Tari. I'm the spouse. Um, it's important that I tell you this because um, it's intimidating, you know, speaking in front of theologians about God. Please do not do an exegesis of this testimony. Um, so here it goes. Um, um, God has been faithful. Uh, he's been faithful in so many ways and even beyond, like, what I can think of. Um, so this is just one of the ways um, he has been faithful. So I actually came to the United States in 2019. Um, I applied to East Tennessee State University um, in Tennessee. And then I got admitted again um, to a master's program. But I only got like one third scholarship. Um, and then God went ahead and provided me with a scholarship. And then I was like, it's not bad. There's no way I can get like the extra so many thousand to pay for it. So um, not knowing how it was going to work or how I was going to pay for everything, I decided to come to the United States. Um, and then I was just like at the back of my mind, you know, if it doesn't work, at least I would have visited the United States for the first time. And then I would have seen uh, Herman, that's my husband. Uh, we were dating then, so that was a good deal to me. So <laughs> we, we, uh, so I came and then um, when I arrived, surprisingly, we got linked to another Zimbabwean who was there at the school. She then uh, like helped me to set up a meeting with my coordinator. So on that day, I got the scholarship. Like, that was the easiest interview ever. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, when I just look back I, and then I just see, like, how amazing God is, it's just like, I just had to take that step of faith and then, you know, believe that God is going to do the rest. Um, I, I feel like sometimes we're just so focused on getting the finer details of how things are going to work, but sometimes you just need to leave room for God to do the rest. So it's also funny that, you know, God keeps doing this to me or to us. It's just like, take that step of faith. So when we graduated last year, we moved to South Carolina um, for work. We had no idea, honestly, where we are going to leave, how kind of job we're going to do, but it was clear that God was just saying, go this way. Again, we moved like in less than a week, um, but you know, in, in our Christian journey, that has also been amazing because I feel like it continues to build my faith. Like sometimes I, I just don't know how it's going to go, but God is like, yeah, I got I got you, <laughs> and he, he just keeps unveiling big things that I have no idea he's capable of doing for me or for our family. And then the same comes Kentucky. Herman got admitted uh, for his PhD studies, um, but we had also no idea, like, we, we don't have that kind of money to, <laughs> to come here, um, but, you know, it's the people that we met in South Carolina that God was setting up to support us here. So, yeah. So it's just amazing to just see, you know. Um, 
that God is faithful. He really is. Oh, I told myself I was gonna cry. <laughs> so yeah, it's just amazing. So this is just an encouragement to all of you. Um, take that step of faith. Let God do the rest. You don't, you don't have to have a clear road map, but you know, God's got you. Amen. When I was asked to share something about the faithfulness of God in my life, I immediately knew what I'd be talking about. But how to talk about it and articulate it in human words, that was so difficult for me to do. For how can I describe the indescribable? And how can I put into words what none of the human verbal expressions altogether can express? Thus, because I'm not able to describe it verbally, I thought maybe I can ask the help of some people who have experienced and enjoyed it and see how they were able to describe or even interact with it. Now, the first person that will help me in my task unfortunately doesn't have a name. Nevertheless, she was given a title a stigmatized title. She's called a Samaritan woman. Just this title alone can show how she was devalued by the Jews. Even she herself was so surprised that Jesus as a Jew would stop and open a conversation with her. But not only she was a Samaritan, but unlike the good Samaritan who Jesus commanded, she was a bad, a wicked Samaritan. She's had five husbands, and the one who's with her now is not her husband. But if she was surprised that Jesus valued her as a person and didn't care much about whether she's a Jew or Samaritan, but stopped to talk with her, she was all the more shocked with the idea that he knew everything she has done. But with an uncalculated emotions, she immediately left her jar and went back to the town shouting, come, see, a man who told me everything I did. Wow. Can you explain this to me? How is it that instead of hiding yourself in shame due to the exposure of all your sins and all what you've done and are still doing, you were overjoyed by the fact that he told you all the wickedness that you did. How instead of running away from him, you ran toward everyone calling them to come and see? How were you able to immediately confront those whom you have always been trying to hide yourself from? But she looked at me and responded, it was his love the love that laid bare the shame of my wickedness, not to expose them, but to strip them away. The love through which I felt for the first time that I am valuable despite my heinous evilness. Before this indescribable love, her words just like mine failed. And what overflowed instead were shouts of joy and unceasing fearless witness and proclamation, come and see. My second helper was not a sinner, but was a thinker. He cannot accept unreasonable ideas. 
unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands in his side, I will not believe. But wait a minute. Aren't you the one who's known to have brought the gospel of Jesus to India and to have been killed for his sake? And he looked at me and said, yes, it was his love. His love didn't rebuke my lack of faith or judged me because of it. But with great sympathy toward my confusion and bewilderment, he approached me with his tender love and allowing me not only to see him, but also to touch him when everyone else wasn't allowed to do that. Before this indescribable love, his words, just like mine, failed. And what overflowed instead was an affirmation of his lordship and divinity over his life. My Lord and my God. An affirmation that eventually costed him his life. How about you, John? You spoke little and were silent most of the time. In your book, you three times identify yourself as the one whom Jesus loved. Why didn't you say the one who, who loved Jesus? Since apparently you were the only one among your fellows who sincerely loved him until the very end. And he responded, it was his love. His love always reminded me that I can't dare to say I love him. Because if I love him, it's because he first loved me. Before this indescribable love, his words, just like mine, failed. And what overflowed instead was a determination to always recline next to him, to always be where he is, even if that is at the cross. I am all of those people. I'm the one who so much have been forgiven to her. I'm the one whose sins, and, whose sins and wickedness are all naked before his eyes, yet I've never felt for a moment that I need to say, I heard the sound of you and I was afraid because I was naked, I hid myself. I never needed to sew fig leaves together to cover my shape. Such knowledge that is associated with us acceptance and valuation is too wonderful for me. I'm the one who, despite my doubts and lack of faith sometimes, still affirm that he is my Lord and God. That's because he's never left me in my doubts, but was always there revealing himself to me in a very intimate way. I am the one who don't feel any satisfaction except in his bosom. I feel completely satisfied by his intimate presence, even when I'm alone and without anyone around. Would I be faithful and sincerely love him till the end? Would my love last and stands the challenges of life? Would my love would decrease and grow cold when tribulations and hardships come? That I don't know. I can't have confidence in myself, but my confidence should rely on the fact that when my love decreases or grow cold, he will always pursue me with his marvelous, amazing, faithful love. Yes, I can't put my trust in myself, but I can trust that nothing, nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. 
simply because I'm not identified as the one who loved Jesus. Rather, my identity is the one whom Jesus loved. I pray that when my words fail, my emotions, mind, and all that I may, that I have, may express a glimpse of his engulfing, overwhelming love, just as those biblical characters did. I pray that this will always be my desire and the ultimate goal of my life, so I can be ready all the time to shout, come and see. Thank you. Thank you.